I'm your host, Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns, and you're listening to Rad Child Podcast. Hey folks, Seth here. Before we get started today, I just want to give a quick content warning that there uh, is mention of eating disorders as well as slight mention of suicide in this episode or suicidal thoughts. So I will put those times in the show notes in case you would like to skip over those topics. All right. Anyway, back to the show. So this week we are talking about uh, fat and fat positivity and how to talk to kids about that. So um, without further ado, I will let my guests introduce themselves. So we're going to do our names, pronouns, uh, location, and our relationship with kids. So my name is uh, Edith Bernier. Um, Usually sounds more like Edith in English. I use uh, female pronouns. So she, her. And uh, I am based in Montreal, and my relationship uh, with kids is mostly the my friends' kids. Um, I have a few friends that have uh, quite young age kids. I also do public speakings on um, how to prevent fat phobia and to be more inclusive of uh, fat people in high schools and uh, soon in also in elementary schools. Mm. That's awesome. So great. Thanks. I'm Izzy. Uh, Izzy Abraham Raveson. I use she and they pronouns, and I'm in Philadelphia. Um, and my relationship with kids is varied, and I'm around them a lot. I was a preschool teacher for three years until last summer, and I still have relationships with a lot of those kids and families. I babysit a lot. I teach violin lessons to young kids, and I'm also a sexuality educator, and I work with people of all ages um, from three through adulthood on sexuality issues, including body image and self-love and things like that. That's awesome. So important. Um, Especially, I feel like we don't, when we talk about sex education, we don't talk about like bodies, like Mm -hmm. and loving our bodies, which is like (laughs) so important. Um, So before we sort of uh, dive into the topic, I'm curious sort of what your relationship with, uh, with the topic is. So I... I can say I have a personal and a professional relationship with the topic. Um, I struggled with body image uh, from a very young age and developed an eating disorder um, when I was 11, and I had it for 12 years before I ultimately went to treatment. Um, So now I'm in recovery from an eating disorder, and um, that's just obviously uh, very complicated in its relationship to fat phobia, but a a serious relationship between eating disorders and fat phobia. Um, And I'm now in a large body. And uh, so, yeah, it's something that I've been on a personal journey my whole life to, to accept my body, um, however it is, and in its constant state of change and uh, as it continues to grow larger. Uh, And then professionally, I do education on fat phobia and body liberation. So I do that work with college students, um, and with community members, and also somewhat with children. So that is a short answer <laughs> about my <laughs> awesome. relationship with the topic. Thank you so much for sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I have been a fat person my whole life. I was born fat. I was born a 10-pounder baby. So, I mean, yeah, I had a, I was in advance already in that field. Um, <laughs> and I've always, I mean, I was a bit bullied as a kid because of my size. I actually 
discovered that I was fat through other people's eyes, through especially through kids' eyes, and and you know that's that's often the case when you're when you realize you're different, you don't realize it in your own eyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my relationship with the subject is myself, <laughs> but also I try to um, to uh, teach and explain what fat phobia is, and and try to dismantle it through um, either public speakings. Um, I speak with uh, community organizations, uh, like I said, teenagers, um, a variety of, uh, of of different publics about this. Um, I will speak in a you know feminist festival, for example, this summer. I've spoken mm-hmm. with organization helping uh, expecting mothers. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's actually quite quite a variety of fields, and uh, so right now I run a website that's called um, the that's called grossophobie.ca, so grossophobie.ca, which is like the French for like fatphobia.ca, <laughs> if you'd like. And before that, I've been running a plus size uh, blog, plus size travel blog. It was actually the first of the kind. It was called the Plus Size Backpacker. So I've been into these issues since 2013, I would say. That's awesome. And I'm uh, just for our listeners, because we're talking a lot about fat phobia. Um, so either one of you or both of you want to um, sort of define fat phobia. What does that mean? In French, we actually have a pretty decent uh, um, definition that I will try to translate right now live, uh, which would be <laughs> the uh, the all the hostile and discriminating behaviors and attitudes towards uh, obese, overweight, and fat people. Mm. So if, if we can do a little comparison with words like, I don't know, like homophobia, for example. Mm-hmm. So homophobia is all the discrimination and the hostility towards gay people. So fat phobia would be the same thing, but against fat people. Yeah. That was yeah. very concise. Thank you. <laughs> and just like other systems of oppression, fat phobia has interpersonal and systemic components. So fat phobia is individual people's hatred and fear of fat people and the way that they mistreat fat people. But it's also the way that our systems, our structures, our built environments exclude fat people and make it harder for fat people to thrive um, in a variety of ways. Yeah, I think about that. I, I mean, I think about these things a lot just because I'm, you know, doing this work and talking to people. But the other day, just like I was at, and I think about accessibility a lot, um, in also in terms of because I'm a person who's often with a stroller as a nanny. So I think about people in wheelchairs and people with other access needs. And um, and so the other day I was at the grocery store and, I, and they have in some more... Er- you know, urban areas, they'll be like the poles. So you can't get out with your shopping cart in a grocery store. And I was like, Hmm, like I I can barely fit through these poles. Like how are, you know, people bigger than me supposed to, you know, just do something as simple as go grocery shopping. Like you can, and then not be able to get like, you know, I think about things like that a lot or like being with the stroller and things not wide enough for a stroller. I'm like, well, there are people, you know, wider than me in a stroller. It's the same thing with the subway turnstiles. I think about this every yep. time I tr- I go anywhere. Um, my hips hit the edge of the subway. I always walk through the the one with a little picture of a wheelchair on it that's meant to be oh, wide definitely. enough for a wheelchair, yep. but it's also wide enough for me to walk through with my bag and not get stuck. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a small fat person with a lot of privilege there, um, and there are obviously people who are larger than me who I don't see how one would fit through that turnstile, which is very frustrating. 
I just also want to say, though, that there are other structural barriers to um, existing in the world as a fat person besides physical barriers. And I think mm-hmm. they can be harder to see, but there's a lot of barriers to accessing safe healthcare or just good healthcare mm-hmm. as a fat person, health insurance. Um, also, p- fat people get paid less. There's a lot of evidence of that. So. Oh yeah, there's there's so much yeah. to say about this. I mean, uh, you, there's uh, lower salaries, um, a discrimination practice in terms of hiring. Um, generally, uh, bigger people have uh, can only attain lower levels of education because they are being skimmed out. Um, of the uh, academic um, here in Canada, we don't have the same issue in terms of a uh, of, of of healthcare, but we still do experience a lot of uh, fat phobia in the medical field. Um, it has been demonstrated actually that uh, doctors spend less time or less uh, caring and and sympathetic to uh, larger patients. Um, it's 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 quite uh, a multifaceted issues. Uh, that you know we have to experience when we live in a you know you know a fatter body. Um, this is quite complicated actually, and and it affects both your your personal, social, uh, romantic, uh, professional, academic life in in, in so many ways. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I also want to talk about, uh, and I know that they're just like any kind of terminology. You know, there are some words um, like a life think that a lot of people use different words that feel good to them. Um, but I'm curious, like what fat positivity means to you. And if you like that term, if there's another term that you prefer. Um, yeah, I think fat pos- po- positivity is quite a, a, you know, it's a pro- proper word. We also use a lot uh, the word fat acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, before reaching any kind of positivity, we have to go through acceptance first. Uh, I mean, in, in my case, it would be from, you know, low to high, uh, acceptance, uh, positivity to reach liberation. That's mm. the final, you know, the final goal. That's my personal interpretation of it. But yeah, this is a word that this is the word that I actually, yeah, fat positivity that I really like, uh, size acceptance also because sometimes very thin people, or mm. can also end up being marginalized. And I mean, my fight shouldn't be to make it easier for larger people and to make it worse for, you know, thinner people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, totally. I mean but actually some people do, I mean, and 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 that that's that's completely, you know, uh impossible to to to, to manage in my head that you want to accept larger people at the expense of, of thinner people. I mean, I do know that they do have a privilege, but you know, sometimes they are experience, experiencing social judgments too. So Yeah, of course. Can you elaborate a little bit? I'm curious about like the difference between the like acceptance, positivity and liberation. Well, acceptance in my word is at least trying to reach a neutral reaction. Um, mm-hmm. People are accepting us. Uh, positivity is you know, being empowered in my in my personal mm-hmm. perspective, being able to be fully empowered, um, and 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 sometimes you can you know you see people like Lizzo. Yeah, Lizzo is a very um, empowering example of 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 fat liberation and also of fat positivity because she's made she makes it you know a good thing to be a fat woman. So uh, because you know right now I. I personally am into more, I would say, fat acceptance because I'm trying to just make people accept themselves and see themselves and, and see fellow fat people as equal 
And I mean, eventually we'll all be special and unique and amazing butterflies. But I mean, uh, I, I think we're still relatively far from it. So um, I have some feelings about positivity. Um, I, mm-hmm. I like that positivity. I think it's great to celebrate fatness. I think that's something that needs to be done because it hasn't been done very much yet so to me fat positivity just means a celebration of fatness whether that's through art or um, Mm -hmm. representation or things like that but I am shying away from body positivity and into body liberation Um, my Mm. my main fat phobia workshop that I do a lot is called don't tell me to love my body um, which is a reaction that I've been having since uh, college to sort of the love your body campaigns love your body week all of that because love your body, which is an instruction, um, just sets people up for failure because it's not our fault that we don't love our body, right? It's not just like, oh, individually, I happen to not love my body. And if you encourage me to love it, I can love it. Because as we just talked about, fat phobia is actually a system of oppression. And there's a ton, a ton of stuff set up to intentionally make us hate our bodies. It's not like it just happened mm-hmm. to be that way. Um, and it's also not like if I just do succeed in loving my body against all odds, it doesn't mean that the built environment, my healthcare, all those other things will change. Like I'll still be in an oppressed and marginalized body. Right. So that's why I appreciate body liberation because body liberation means not just saying like fat bodies are pretty too. It's saying that all bodies are valuable regardless of anything. All bodies are valuable. All bodies deserve respect and care. Um, And it means that we have to work together and do collective work to change systems rather than just internal individual work to change how we feel Mm. about ourselves. So I always talk about the difference between those two terms in my workshops. And that's not to say that body positivity is evil. It definitely helps people. Um, So if people find individual solace in body positivity, that's beautiful. Um, But body liberation is what I think will take us all forward. No, I definitely agree that the whole, you know, body positivity, body liberation. I mean, when it's just when it comes to body, it has a perspective in which we are getting more and more excluded of it at the profit of of bodies that are closer Mm -hmm. to the standards right now. So this is why I personally choose to use uh, fat and to empower either uh, fat liberation, fat positivity, Mm -hmm. fat acceptance, or at least size, you know, for people who are not as comfortable with the word fat. Um, But yeah, I definitely agree with you that the whole you know, body positivity is an umbrella term that includes so many other people too, and that is not solely dedicated to fat people. So we can make our own, our yeah, own thing. Yeah, uh, one quote that I really appreciate um, that is from Jess Baker uh, is that fat liberation is bucking the concept of beauty as currency altogether. So as opposed to saying like body positivity often says, well, like this kind of body can also be pretty. This kind of body can also be beautiful. Um, fat liberation or body liberation is saying beautiful isn't what makes bodies good, which is a totally different way of looking at it. Um, I also just want to say about um, Edith, what you said about thin people. I think it's a, it's a big misconception that fat positivity or fat liberation um, pushes out or is bad for thin people. Um, And part of what I think is really important to understand is that fat phobia is actually horrible for everybody because thin people Mm -hmm. While they have privilege now, fatness is one of the identities, one of the oppressed identities that anybody could be. 
similar to disabled. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not a fixed identity. So people go through their lives with the fear of becoming fat and making a lot of decisions based on that fear, which makes Mm -hmm. their lives worse, right? Like thin people who have disordered eating, who hate themselves, who are doing all this work to stay thin. That's because of fat phobia. So Mm-hmm. That, and that totally doesn't mean agree. that they're totally marginalized by fat phobia, right? Because right now they're in the privileged position, but they are their lives are worse because of fat phobia. They're still a victim of, of fat phobia yeah. because fat phobia is, you know, makes everybody scared and, and, and can yeah. be a trigger for, for you know, Absolutely. eating disorders. So, so. Um, the fight against fat phobia needs to center fat people as the people who are most marginalized and most negatively affected um, and also will benefit everyone. I was actually more bringing it up in a way that often, and you've probably seen that also uh, in your interactions, especially online, um, we see, oh, well, us thin people, mm-hmm. we are being oppressed too. And and the idea is not to create or make things worse for thin people, or it's not to say, okay, well, let's push thin people aside and make it a large people thing uh, and, and, you know, make it, uh, it is a large people thing, but I mean, how can I say that? Uh, the idea is not to make things worse for thin people by making it better for large people. The idea is not to say large people are the only good bodies. All bodies are fine, including fat yeah. bodies. You know, fat bodies are just as fine as any others. So that's that's more what I meant. Uh, but it's true, though. Thin people are the victim of fat phobia because fat phobia can be the reason why they are so obsessed by their thinness mm-hmm. in some cases. Yeah, I think... I think that's a really interesting point. And I think, um, you know, it's the idea that it, you know, it affects everybody. And also the idea that it's not a fixed, what you were calling like a fixed identity um, mm-hmm. is, is really interesting. And I know like, even for myself, like I, for the past like six years, I was on Weight Watchers and I was like measuring food. And I was like, not that even though there's anything wrong with you know, that, but I was just like so obsessed with, with eating. And then finally, the, you know, and food and things like that. And then finally my, this last year, I was just like, I'm just gonna let my body do what it's gonna do. I'm like, gonna be, you know, be okay with that. And like, congratulations. I, I mean, I, and it's not a fight against health. No. I mean, that's what people think a lot. Like, yeah. being fat would be, and, and fighting for fat people's right would be a fight against health. It's not the case. I mean, we don't encourage people to have, you know, uh, disordered eating habits in, in whatever way. We don't encourage people not to be active and to stay sedentary. We don't encourage people to have unhealthy, you know, an uh, unhealthy, you know, quote unquote lifestyle. I mean, it's important to move. Move, but it's important not to move in a weight loss perspective. It's important to have a balanced eating, but yes, also to treat yeah. yourself every once in a while, you know, and, and, and as much as you feel you need and, and not have, you know, disordered eating whenever, you know, as much as you can, because sometimes it's not something that, you know, we choose to control, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, it, it's to try to encourage a variety of of you know, healthy living habits, uh, but without developing those in a weight loss perspective. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so uh, I want to move on to my next question, which is you touched a little bit on this, Edith, but um, I'm curious, like what your earliest memory of being aware of the idea of being fat, whether it was yourself or other people, um, if you have sort of a, a memory or thoughts about that. I remember, the truth is I I don't have a a first memory because I don't really remember a time before an awareness of fatness, which is really sad. 
But the one thing I do remember that's close to that is I remember a time when I wanted to be heavier. Like I remember a time as a little kid when like weighing myself was exciting because I was growing and like weighing more pounds mm-hmm. was better. And I was like proud to like go tell my first or second grade class like, wow, I weigh this many pounds now. I weigh that many pounds. And I remember that that stopped. And then suddenly it was the opposite. And I was weighing myself and wanting my weight to go down. And I wanted to never tell anybody my weight. And I remember that in elementary Mm. school, we would get weighed in groups of five at the nurse's office, I guess, once a year. So they would like send five of us out of the classroom together. And I remember a time when I was suddenly like, oh, I don't want to be weighed in front of my peers. Um, Mm. Even though I was still growing. So my weight should not have been going down. That would have been very scary. Um, You know, when you're growing, your weight should go up. I know it's like the most obvious logical thing ever. And people still are super confused about it and about their kids. Um, But yeah, yeah, so that that is the closest I can remember to like there was a time, I guess, when I was aware that growing was good and being bigger was exciting. And that stopped pretty early, definitely before fifth grade. Yeah, that's really scary. Um, In my case, I would say, uh, it. you know, it's probably when I started going to school, I would say probably elementary school, um, because, you know, like I said, it, I discovered it through other people's eyes. I mean, my parents never really told me I was, you know, I was a, a bigger kid, but it was never a big deal. And it's it's not necessarily my fatness, but my difference, you know, the fact that I was not like other kids and not in a good way. Um, that's probably uh, what I've, you know, my, my earliest memories, I would say, I don't know, like, you know, first year of elementary school, something like that. Yeah. I, you know, I think about that a lot with, uh, I nanny twins right now and, uh, they're boy girl twins and the little girl has, um, was born with like a, what do you call it? Like a port wine stain and also has like a herniated belly button. So her belly button sticks out a lot. And this kid loves playing with her belly button. She's just like, my belly button is the greatest thing ever. It is so, like, she just gets so much joy out of it. Like, if I say belly button, like, she'll just play, like, she loves it. And I think about that a lot. I'm like, at what age are, is someone going to tell you your belly button's weird and you're going to hate your mm-hmm. belly button? You know, like, I, I think about that a lot. And I, or I think about the same thing with, like, her Port Wednesday. And I'm like, you could care less that your face is a different color. But at what age is it going to be that someone's going to be like, that's weird. And you're going to you know, start to have a complex about it. I'm like, I hope that never happens. But, you know, I think about these things, these things a lot. And it just makes well, me so sad. it's inevitable that someone's going to say it's weird, but it's not inevitable that she's going to develop a complex about it because that's what mm-hmm. we can support kids in developing high yeah. self-esteem and um, resilience and understanding that people are going to say all kinds of mean things about them, but we can support them in not being as vulnerable to that tearing the, their self-esteem apart. I wouldn't say, I, I would say the same thing. Yeah, I totally agree. Going off of that, what do you think, what do you think is the best way to, to do that, to, um, to build up that resilience and self-esteem in kids? I mean, yeah, I, I think it's something we haven't figured out perfectly yet. Like, it's not like I've seen, <laughs> seen, uh, a lot of examples of it going really well, but and one thing, one thing that I didn't mention in my early memories of, of, understanding fatness is I do remember the adults in my life talking negatively about their own bodies. Mm. And I'm sure that that's how I learned in a lot of ways to think negatively about my body. Um, especially when it comes from people in our family whose bodies, our bodies often look like. Yeah. Um, 
So it's really, really powerful to not talk about your own body in any negative way around your kids or any kids you're around. Um, And it's also really powerful to talk positively about your body in front of children and to help them uh, verbalize what's positive for them about their bodies. Um, I like to, to, with the preschoolers, I like to always ask them, what's your favorite part of your body today? And why? What can it do for you? And I like to model for them, even though I don't always feel this way, I would, I would often say that my favorite part of my body is my belly, because that's one of the parts of my body that I've struggled with um, caring about over time. So I'll just try to say something really nice about my belly in front of the children. Um, and I think that can be a really powerful thing to do. That's one one example. I have many I others. I couldn't but that's, agree that's, more, that's Izzy. I mean, that there's so much wisdom in what you just said, and and yeah, that's that's very inspiring. I think that um, learning to see difference is one thing, but learning to hate and to judge people for their differences is, is something else. There's nothing wrong with seeing yeah. difference. It's important to see that people are different, but learning to you know judge and rank difference in in a mm. there is good differences and bad differences this is a, a an acquired behavior i'm pretty sure that we learn from people around us that we learn from people that we see hating their own bodies because of its size uh because you know hating other people because they are different and judging them and 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 you know assuming that they are this and that because they are bigger you know there are so many negative stereotypes that are associated with larger people and that starts as early as as in cartoons i mean kids are exposed to that in cartoons and it's getting worse and worse i mean um fat characters are represented in position of aggression uh, depression um you know consuming large amount of junk foods yeah or the butt of a joke yes stupid lazy mm-hmm. uh, silly mm-hmm. And, and villainous, villainous of evil. course. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, th- this is something that people and then that kids are are taught at a very young age. So they see that in, in cartoons and movies for children, and then they hear they hear it from parents, from adults, from you know, and they're little sponges at that age. They just assimilate and acquire this, and then undo all that is is must not be that easy. Well, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely learned, right? Because kids notice differences, but they don't have mm-hmm. judgments for those. Di- like, they'll point out, they'll be like, that person's fat, that person's this color, that person's this, but they're not going to be like, that person's this, that's bad. They might bad. actually say that this like, person so, is they're big. They're learning. Not, like, fat is, 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 is yeah. not a word that, that you know, you know, in inside yourself. You, you learn that, oh, this person is bigger than this other person. Why is this person so yeah, big? Yeah, they're just comparing mm-hmm. things. They're just noticing things, but there's not, I mean, it's the judgments that we Mm -hmm. learn you know also uh something else that i know that some adults do with children that i think we should all stop doing (laughs) is the way we talk about food really contributes to Mm. that phobia um and so i've had preschoolers who have said like oh if you eat too much you get fat and it's like right someone told them that to try to teach them how to eat in a healthy way which is really counterintuitive to me because now this person is eating out of fear rather than mm-hmm. in connection with their normal uh, hunger and fullness cues um, or the way kids talk about different, like this is healthy food. This is unhealthy food. Like there was a time, <clears throat> excuse me. There was a time that a preschooler said to me, ice cream is bad. 
And I was like, that's objectively untrue. Like, I, what? Why? Why would you say that? And they were like, because ice cream is sugar and sugar is bad. And I was like, oh, oh no, sweetie. Like, ice cream is good. If I could tell you one thing in life, it's that ice cream is good. But the idea that, you know, out of... I don't know. I guess good intentions. I have not a lot of sympathy for the healthy eating obsessed. Uh, let me, sorry. I lost my train of thought, but yeah, I just, it gets, it's really, really upsetting for me, but, um, and to teach kids that, that the fat in our foods is bad and fat makes you fat. I've had kids say that to me too. Like, doesn't fat eating fat make you fat? And they say, no, actually you need to eat fat uh-huh. to live and to have energy. <laughs> so, Um, I think all of that also contributes a lot to fat phobia, um, in children. Well, that was something that I thought was really, I, I, what I will say about Weight Watchers is there are definitely some good things that I learned from it. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting is someone once brought up the point of like, why are we like putting, um, what's the word? I'm looking for it. Like, like saying, you know, like food is not bad or good. Like a value. Like, thank you. Like it's, it's food. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not like a, I can't think of the word that I'm looking for it's now. You. But we're, morality. Thank we you. Morality. morality is the word that I'm looking for. Why are yeah. we putting, you know, morality on our food? Like it's not good or because bad. Because we put morality on size. Mm-hmm. There is a virtue associated with being, you know, thinner. I mean, you are more respected. You're someone who's successful. Yeah. And I mean, I don't mean that at all, but those are, are the stereotypes associated with yeah. thinness. And someone who is fat is someone who has no self-control, who has yeah. no discipline, who has no ability to, you know, control themselves, who are lazy, um, you know, who have not achieved anything in life. So, I mean, and, and the list goes on and on and on. I mean, I mean, there there is morality associated to food, most likely because there is morality and virtue associated to size. It's, and it's like that same idea that like if you eat the bad foods, then you're bad. Like there's all this morality Absolutely. tied to it that's just so strange um, that we're putting those kinds of values and morality on something that is objectively just like neutral. <laughs> it's food. You need it. It's like judging fuel, um, you know? Like Yeah, it just exactly. It's like a thing your body it's very strange. Um so I'm also curious if there's ever a time that, you know, a, a kid or someone who, you know, a younger person that you were interacting with um commented on your weight and how you reacted or how you could react. Um what a po- you know, you think a sort of a positive way to react to that would be. Yeah, a lot. Um <laughs> kids call me fat a lot. Uh, the very first time one of my preschoolers called me fat, it was really hurtful to me, and I got upset, and I tried to talk to her about how fat uh, is not a kind word to call somebody else um, who didn't call themselves that, and how it can be a really hurtful word, and that that was the way I tackled it the first time, and it didn't work, and it didn't make me feel better. Um, but over time, I started to learn kind of what Edith was saying, that... Um, them calling me fat wasn't them saying anything bad about me or trying to hurt my feelings because to them fat didn't necessarily at the it depends on the kid but didn't necessarily have the negative connotations or at least I knew that they loved me and I knew that they loved my body in particular um because my body is what they went to for comfort right like my belly is where they wanted to bury their faces when they were crying like I grew up my leg hair while I was a preschool teacher and the kids loved my leg hair. I will tell you, I 
probably uh, would not have felt so great about growing it out for the first time if the kids were not there every day rubbing it being like, yep. what is this? Like, why <laughs> would you ever shave this off? Keep it forever. Um, so I knew that the kids found so much comfort and softness and warmth in my body. So when they were calling me fat, they weren't, they weren't telling me that they didn't like my body. Um, so I had to adjust to that over time. Um, also as I was getting more comfortable calling myself fat and then I learned to do what you were both talking about. And I kind of learned this actually in a training about how to talk to kids about race and racism. Mm. Um, that, you know, when, when a kid says like, Hey, they're Brown or like, Hey, they're black. People are quick to be like, don't, don't talk about that. Don't say that. That's rude. Um, which is, you know, on the one hand, we don't want kids to be rude to people and make them uncomfortable, but we're also communicating, don't talk about race. Like, mm -hmm. pretend you don't see race, which isn't helpful. So we can say, like, oh, you're noticing that that person's skin is a different color than yours. Um, and it's not always polite to talk about someone's body. You know, people don't always like to have their body talked about without their consent. So that's what I would start to say when people would say, hey, you're fat or like, hey, you have a big belly. I would say like, oh, you're noticing that my body is bigger than some people's bodies. Um, and sometimes I would add like, and not everybody likes to have their body talked about. Like you can always talk about your own body. If you want to talk about someone else's body, you can ask them. Um, but yeah, really affirming like, oh, all you're noticing is that my body mm -hmm. is bigger. Some bodies are bigger. Some bodies are smaller. Um, but I've also had my body commented on in a more malicious way. Mm. Um, I was doing a presentation at a high school earlier this year, uh, about diet culture. And one of the students said, uh, why is a fat woman teaching us about nutrition? And like, we shouldn't have to listen to this. So I would say that, and I, and I know from, from research that actually fat phobia and fat uh, negative feelings about fat people do start as early as preschool. So observations are not always neutral, but we can, as adults, we can neutralize them by saying like, oh yeah, you're just noticing difference. Difference is good. We're all different. Yeah, for sure. My experience was actually quite similar to yours. Is the, uh, um, it was my friend's kid who was about preschool age and said, you know, why are you so big? <laughs> and uh, I mean, it was in a very controlled environment. I mean, it was at my friend's place and we, we just had dinner and, you know. So uh, my friend looked at me and said, is it normal that I'm relieved that this is happening right now with you? Because I was, I was already, <laughs> you know, quite into, you know, size acceptance and everything. And, and she said, is it okay if I make it a teaching moment? I was like, go ahead, you know? And so, you know, we explained that, you know, it's true that my body is different because her mom is very petite and very short. So it was probably even more obvious, you know, when I'm quite tall and, and much bigger than her mom, than his mom. And, um, so we, we took the time to explain that, yes, it's true that bodies are different, uh, but like you said, some people might feel uncomfortable when, when you highlight their differences. And, and, you know, being called big, it can be sad for some people because they're not happy they're big and they didn't, you know, they're not okay with it because people tell them that they're, they're, it's not okay to be big, but it's okay to be big, you know. So it was a very cute and very touching moment um, in spite of how it could have turned out if it was like a random lady at the supermarket. Uh, but, <laughs> but I think, yeah, and I remember myself uh, being told, you know, how when, when you see that kids uh, learn to, you know, spell out difference. Uh, I once have very short hair, just like you, Izzy. And, and mm -hmm. uh, the lady, you know, uh, there was a lady with her kid and she said, look, mom, the lady has no hair. 
And so the mom was like <laughs> petrified in, you know, the aisles of a yep. supermarket. And so I just went and came down to the kids level and I said, yeah, it's true. I like my hair very short and touch them. It's very soft. And uh-huh. so the mom was like, oh, thank but Jesus, you know, she was so relieved yeah. <laughs> that I didn't take mm-hmm. it badly or that it wasn't caused by sickness or something because some people mm-hmm. shave their hair when they're sick. Mm. So I, I think, you know, we have also as adults um, to to use these moments as, as when when we're able to, obviously, as, as teachable moments. It's not always easy, but we have to remember that not only they are kids, but so were we at one point and we probably made our parents want to die with our observations <laughs> in so many occasions. Absolutely. Well, that's like the other, just over um, the holiday, this past holiday break, I was with my nieces who, my oldest niece is six, and she, her mother is pregnant for the third time. And she asked me if I was pregnant because I have a belly. And I was like, and I was just like, no, like, I'm not. And that was basically the end of it. You know, it was just like, yeah, I have a belly, but I'm not pregnant. And she was just like, mm-hmm. okay. And it, was, it wasn't like I wasn't offended. babies, you know? Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> offended. I was like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, because there's nothing wrong with being pregnant. Yeah. So right. not offended that you think I'm pregnant. Um, but that happens to, you know, my my wife a lot at work because she also has a belly and people. She works, she works at an airline. First of all, never. Just don't talk about, like, if you think someone's pregnant, keep it to yourself. Like, I, I just, that's bizarre to me that, you know, that adult people are being like, are you pregnant? Like, to strangers is just bizarre to me. But people ask her all the time if she's pregnant. And people shouldn't be commenting on my bodies, but people shouldn't be commenting on my bodies. But there's something <laughs> wrong with talking about people's bodies. Yes, right. There's something wrong with unsolicited body comments. Like, and that's the thing. That's the thing that I talk to kids about. It's a consent issue, right? Like, yes. it's not a fat phobia issue, although there's fat phobia sometimes involved. It's like... If you don't have consent to touch someone's body, you don't. If you don't have consent to talk, talk about, about someone's someone. body, then you don't. No. Like, Mm-mm. and I don't know. My kids really get that. Like, and th- and that comes up with like sexuality too, and with talking about vaginas and penises. And like we've had this discussion with with the the preschoolers. Like, is it okay to say vagina and penis? Some of them say yes. Some of them say no. But what they all agreed on is it's okay to talk about your own vagina or penis anytime you want because it's your body. It's not okay to talk about someone else's unless nope. they said it was okay. And like, that's so intuitive. I think a lot of these issues boil down to consent. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right. It's about time for some announcements. So the only thing out of the ordinary today is that, as I mentioned last episode, uh, the Upford Network, which is the network that we are a part of, uh, just started a new show called Natural Toonie, which is an actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Um, And I actually guest star on an episode. It's going to be coming out soon. So I would definitely check them out. It's a lot of fun. Very, very silly. Um... So yeah, if you're a person who's into Dungeons and Dragons, I would definitely check that out. Um, other than that, it's just the usual. You can follow us at Radchild Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to reach out to us, you can do that at radchildpodcast at gmail.com or on www.radchildpodcast.com. If you'd like to support us, you can do so at patreon.com slash radchildpodcast. Uh, and just a thank you to the wonderful Emma, Kai, and Alex who uh, support us. And you, just like them, can get awesome rewards like bloopers, uh, Discord access, care packages, kids' books. Um, You can get personalized kids' book recommendations for kids in your life. All sorts of great things. So definitely 
check that out. You can donate as little as a dollar a month and start receiving rewards, and it really helps us out just to cover our costs and things like that. Um, oh, also, if you would like to be a guest, uh, you can do so if you go to www.radchildpodcast.com. Um, there is a guest application in the contact section. Uh, so yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And now here's Rebecca and Crystal. Do you wish more picture books truly reflected your family's values? Have you ever thought you found the perfect book, but when you got it home, it completely missed the mark? Shift Book Box is a picture book subscription service for kids ages 3 to 8, built around themes of social justice and centering diverse characters and creators. Each box features two beautiful picture books as well as expertly crafted discussion guides. We know that families want to engage kids in conversations about social justice topics, and we recognize how challenging it can be to find the right books and to feel supported in having these conversations. We find the books... We provide the prompts. You get both delivered to your door. Subscribe today at shiftbookbox.com and use the code RADCHILD. RADCHILD. All one word. RADCHILD. RADCHILD. For 10% off your first order. Shift Bookbox. Curating little libraries. Cultivating big change. And now, back to the show. So I wanted to actually go back for a minute. So we were talking a little bit about that sort of morality and like the the sort of idea that fat equals bad. Um, and how do we help dismantle that for kids and help, you know, teach them that, you know, fat doesn't equal bad. There's a morality associated with being fat. <laughs> yeah, it's a big question. <laughs> yeah, I mean... One thing that's really hard about it is, like, as one preschool teacher, I I could only combat culture so much, you know? Like, I think the big ways that we can change it are changing our media, changing, like, making more children's books available, like, telling different stories about people in large bodies. Because I can say to kids as much as I want, fat is good. There's nothing wrong with being fat. But every single other piece of culture That they're seeing, yeah is going to dismantle what I'm saying. And that's even true for myself. I can tell myself over and over and over again, fat is okay, fat is okay, fat is okay. And I still have to relearn that every day because everything in my life tells me I'm wrong. And sometimes I question myself and think like, how can fat be okay if I'm the, like sometimes it feels like I'm the only one in my life who believes that. I know that that's yeah. not true. I have I have allies. I have other people who I care about and who, who are trying to be in the struggle with me. But it can feel so confusing and so isolating because it's so against the grain of what culture tells us. But but it is important still to tell kids that it's okay to be fat. It's, it's again, important to affirm a million different things about your own body, about other people's bodies, to and make sure that you're showing them uh, images and media that has many types of bodies, and that's large bodies and disabled bodies and and trans bodies and all the different amazing ways that bodies can be and just really valid, like validate and value that body diversity and, and to shift from the idea that what makes bodies good is being like this good body. And actually what makes bodies good is just that they exist and are alive. And what makes bodies good is that they are all different from each other. So even just sitting with kids and saying, I do this with my, with my sex ed students in third through uh, eighth grade, we always start, the body image workshop with what are all the ways a body can be different 
and we just make a huge list. What are all the ways bodies can be different from each other? And we're like, wow, that is so many ways. Like, that's so cool. There's so many types of bodies. Um, so I think that's one way. And then also changing the way we talk about food <laughs> yeah. is another, another huge way. And that is a whole... We could do a whole two hours on just <laughs> the way adults talk to children about food. But um, getting rid of that good food, bad food, getting rid of healthy, unhealthy, and actually get, like stop controlling kids' food so obsessively. We're so controlling with kids' food. We control everything that goes into their bodies. We tell them no all the time when they say they're hungry and want food. We tell them they have to eat all the time when they say they're full. So yep. we're actually taking away their natural ability to know how much food they need and to stop eating when they're full and eat when they're hungry. We're, we're removing that from them. Um, babies are born with that ability and we are unteaching it, taking it away. So um, teaching kids to trust their body's instincts, to trust uh, that when they're tired, they can rest. And when they're awake, they can wake up. And when they're hungry, they can eat. And when they're full, they can stop. And when they need to pee, they should pee. Like all, all the things we should just be, be really validating and, and, um, supporting their responses to their own body needs as much as we can, trusting them to be in charge of their own bodies. Um, I think it's also very important, uh, to keep in mind that, uh, a healthy body is not necessarily a thin body. And that's, I, I'm sure you had that in mind in your in long list of this things. Is my, this is my next question. <laughs> it's really hard uh, to, you know, to break that association that's been built up in our minds and in the messages and the, the entertainment and the publicity that we see all around that a healthy body is a thin body because a thin body could be the thin body of a smoker or someone living with, you know, so many different diseases, either psychological or, you know, physical. And a larger body could be someone who's recovering. Uh, it could be someone who's doing better. It could be someone who is a weightlifter at the Olympic level. I mean, this is a body that can do amazing things. So we have to stop associating thinness and health and fatness and, and the absence of health and uh, so so many associations that, that we are being, you know, buried under, like Izzy said, over and over and over again, no matter how hard you believe, you are being confronted daily with messages that want to um, to 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 force you think otherwise. And even the most convinced of us will question themselves on, you know, we have good days and we have bad days. And 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 on some days it's really hard to, you know, to comfort yourself that you're fighting the good fight because the messages pushing you know, that the, the, you know, the other messages around you are pushing the exact opposite of what you're trying to, you know, to teach people. Yeah. I, that just really made me think about my, uh, my mother-in-law has terminal cancer currently and, um, she, uh, lost a ton of weight. And do you know how many people told her that she looks great? I know. Like that's everyone. Fantastic. She's dying. That, that's like, amazing. Oh, <laughs> you, you know, and, and it's just like that, you know, it's wild that, that people will just assume. And again, it's the, even when you think you're saying a positive thing, when you're commenting on someone, that's why I will never tell someone, even if, if someone tells me they're pregnant, I'm never like, congratulations. I'm like, I don't know how you feel about that. Like when, you know, or telling somebody like, oh, you look great. You lost weight. Like 
maybe they're not trying to lose weight. Maybe they're sick. Like, it's just not my job to comment on other people's bodies, whether whether I think it's positive or not, you know? Right. And even if they think it's positive, I will still never say congratulations for losing weight. I will say I'm glad you're feeling good. I'm yeah. glad you're happy. I will never say congratulations for losing weight, even if that was their goal, because it affirms that it's better to be smaller. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Um I think that that is tragic about your mother-in-law, and I'm so sorry to hear that. It's Thank super you. violent. And, yeah. and as a, someone who's had an eating disorder, I know so many people who were at their least healthy when their appearance was being most validated. And actually, that was true for me, too, I mean, even by doctors. I literally yep. had a doctor tell me, after I said, I have an eating disorder, she said, you're losing weight. That's great. Keep it up. Oh, my God. Absolutely. It's That's not, wild. It's not an unusual experience. It is wild. And it should be more shocking to me than it is. But that is what usually happens, especially if you're not someone who fits the mold of a typical anorexic person. If you are someone else with an eating disorder behavior... Um, then you're likely to have those behaviors validated over and over again, especially including by medical professionals. And so I think that like my body is an example of how I'm at the largest I've ever been and I'm at the healthiest I've ever mm-hmm. been because Same. when I was at my smallest, I was restricting. I was My weight was fluctuating. All these other things, I had no energy. I hated myself. Hating yourself is really bad for your health. Let's just just put that one out there. (laughs) Yeah, like, you know, that has pretty negative health effects. Um, But also weight fluctuation, weight yo-yoing is really, really bad for your health. And we know, inevitably, that's what dieting leads to. We know from science that dieting leads to losing and gaining weight, always. Pretty much always. And that is really hard on your body. Yeah. So... It's just all fake science that's talking about what's healthy and what's unhealthy. Um, and we need to we need to reveal that to more people. But with children in particular, we need to talk about what health is. We need to talk about health meaning well-being, physical and mental, mental yeah. well-being. And how to notice, like, do you feel good? What makes you feel good? Do you feel good if you're inside all day? Do you feel good if you're outside all day? Do you feel good if you're running around and resting? Like, let's notice. Let's be anthropologists Mm -hmm. and notice what feels good on different... Do you feel good if you ate, you know, chocolate for breakfast? Or does your energy crash? Do you feel better if you eat eggs for breakfast with a little bit of chocolate? Like, let's, (laughs) let's let you experiment and notice what feels bad and what feels good so that you can be in charge and responding to your own body. Um, And that is a huge way to reframe health. And another thing we can do is not let doctors talk to our kids about weight. Mm -hmm. I saw a free resource um, floating around Facebook recently that was a little card you can print out from a website to give to a doctor that just like explains, you know, this is why we're not going to talk to my kid about weight. If you have an issue with my kid's weight, you can talk to me about it, not in front of my kid. Um, because what is the use of starting that discourse so early with children, which we know is so negative? But you know, you know what's the worst actually in all that is that we know us adults, we know that someone who's gaining weight is not necessarily doing worse. We know that most of the population and the public know that. We know that someone who's losing weight is not necessarily doing better. And we... I mean, we don't have to dig deep. You you don't have to be very well informed to actually know these things and to associate, you know, to still complement weight loss, to still judge weight gain. And I mean, kids around us, they hear that. They see that. They see that it's socially, you know, normal behavior and they will repeat those patterns. 
that's one problem. Because, I mean, as adults, I don't know what's the need that we have for small talk about people's body, but there, oh my God, there is an issue there. I mean, we need to talk about people's body. How about saying, how are you? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's very simple. If and and how are you? You know, you lost weight. <laughs> so that's not better. You know, that's not like, no, just how are you, period? I mean, we don't have to, you know, it's like I've heard there was a song in French that says um, saying I love you is very hard. Saying I love you a lot feels easier. You know, we always feel a need to add a little extra, but don't. We don't have to. And because kids and, and youngsters around us will hear that and will think it's a normal way to act and to talk and yeah. to, because they, they, they you know learning to, to judge size is a gov- it's an acquired thing it's not something that they you know that they're born with and another piece of that too is how even adults who kind of have know not to comment on each other's appearance and have gotten better at that, still comment on kids' appearance all the time. Agreed. It's super normalized to say, oh, you're so cute, you're so pretty, look at your hair, look at your clothes, like, Blech. oh my gosh, I lo- whatever. Yeah, No, but I mean, <laughs> it's so common from the coolest people I know. You're so cute. It's like, okay, you're so cute until when? Until you go through puberty? Until you grow a little bit taller and then you suddenly stop hearing how cute you are. And what does that do to a kid's self-esteem, right? Like there comes a point when we stop telling kids they're cute and then what? So I don't know. I was a kid who went through puberty pretty early and I was horrified by the way my body was changing. I completely read it as weight gain. I was, I was, um, my hips were widening and I didn't know why because of bad sex education. And I thought like, oh my gosh, I'm getting fat. I'm not cute. I'm not small. I'm bigger than all my friends. I'm tall. All these other little girls are still little girls and I'm tall and wide. And that's when my eating disorder developed. So I want also adults to just stop commenting on children's appearance, except to say like, your body is great. Your body is great. Like that's fine with me. It's also so much easier to encourage children about what they're like their attributes than their physical, you know what I mean? Like you did a really good job at that. You're really smart. You're really creative. You're really Or even not telling them about themselves or trying to get to know them. What do you <laughs> like to do? What did you do today? What should we do together? What yeah. what do you like? What are your favorite colors? What are your favorite foods? Like instead of being like, "Oh, I just want an easy way to connect to you." Like, "Oh, what a pretty dress." Yeah. "Oh, you like pink? I like pink." It's just like what not necessary, not helpful. Don't teach kids and especially girls because we do it way more to girls. Don't teach kids that what's valuable or interesting about them is their body don't do that their body their beauty their physical appearance overall yes. I mean, their clothing their, cuteness, their hair their sweetness their smallness yeah. yeah no the other thing that i wanted to add about doctors going back to doctors a little bit is that because i did not know this until a friend who's a fat activist of mine brought it up um, they, they made a zine about their experiences going to the doctor and uh was that you like listeners you do not need to be weighed at the doctor you can True. opt out of being weighed i haven't been weighed in years nope me neither i'm like that's my business i know how much i weigh i'm taking care of it you absolutely can and sometimes they will be a little confused but just reaffirm no that's okay i don't want to be weighed if that's something that you don't want to do at the doctor i always say i don't get weighed yep. very definitively i don't get, like, they'll be nope. like, step on the scale i say i don't get weighed and they'll sometimes <laughs> look at me like what but i'm just like yep i don't get weighed 
And if you need to to lie, you can always say, I have a nutritionist who tracks my weight. They're taking care of that. Or like, I have another doctor who tracks my weight, um, which for a while for me was true. I did have a nutritionist, but I don't anymore. And I still sometimes say that if they're giving me pushback. But yeah, there is. Or you can always ask, is there any medical reason that you need my weight? Today? Exactly. Because and watch the, the, the actual reason where th- those can happen, but they are way less frequent than we think. It, it might happen that, you know, weight is pertinent sometimes to prescribe some medications and things like that. But, I mean, this is not something that five pounds will make a difference on. Uh, so, I mean, and you can ask to, you know, if you really need to be weighed, you can ask to be weighed with your back turned to uh, the numbers, for example. There are so many ways. I mean, I personally understand. I, I, I don't have that that uh level of discomfort when I'm being weighed at a doctor, but I totally understand people who agree, who who do, and I I can only agree with their concerns. And the actual reasons to request a necessary weighing are way less frequent than we think. Definitely. And even if you're not uncomfortable being weighed or with your own weight, it's also, it makes it less likely that the doctor will blame whatever you're going to the doctor for on your, on your way. If they don't yeah, leave. I'm lucky. My, so, my personal doctor doesn't, I don't have that, that problem with my doctor. I'm very lucky. I know I'm counting my blessings, <laughs> but that's probably why, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit more careless about it than others, but I know how much people can focus on this and, and put way more importance than it, you know, it can actually have because you could be active. You could have, you know, started, uh, some, some, difference in in your eating you could have changed many things and you could be gaining weight or not losing weight and be healthier anyway i mean weight mm-hmm. is just one among so many health indicators yeah factors so yeah, yeah it's it, and not just factors indicators i mean yeah uh, your your mood is an indicator your blood work can be an indicator your weight is an indicator uh i mean your your stress level the quality of your sleep uh there are so many things that could indicate, you know, your health beyond your weight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my, uh, as we're starting to wind down, I'm also just curious how we can start to, as we were, we were sort of talking about how fat can often be used in a negative way and how can we start to destigmatize that word? I think we can, you know, start using and and one of the things that I personally do, I I use the word, but also when I see people cringing around me when I use that word, I say what what's the problem with that word? I decide what word I use to speak about my own body. And when you cringe, you say that I cannot speak of my body the way I chose to. And you say that it's wrong to have a fat body. And so I I'm starting to, you know, reach out to people and say, "Listen, I'm going to call myself whatever I want. Fat is not a bad word. Well, that's the key is it's you're calling yourself that. You're not telling someone else that they're fat. You know what I mean? When you're talking about your own body, and we talk about this a lot in the queer community too with labels, Mm -hmm. right? Like I can say, hey, I like men, women, and everything in between, and I identify as bisexual. You can't decide that I identify as bisexual. That's it. Right? Um, and it's this, it's the same thing. It's those self-identifying words. But on the other on the other hand, there will be people identifying self-identifying as fat who aren't. I mean, and that needs to be addressed too. This is true. And so there was a very interesting definition um, from a from an American blogger named Your Fat Friend, and I'm sure Izzy knows her. Um, she's absolutely amazing, and uh, she said that you know what what 
who's fat enough to be fat? And in it, she said, the, the people that are fat enough to be fat are the ones who actually experience on a daily routine uh, microaggressions, difficulties, limitations, not just someone who feels bloated one day and then the next day it's gone. You're not, fat is not a feeling, it's a state. So you are or you're not. Uh, so that's that's really important, not only to use the word, but to use it right that's, that's well, I think there's a, such a big difference between this nonchalant, like I feel fat today, and like no, I am, like being and feeling are two totally different. And anyway, fat is not a feeling. But I think, right? I yeah, think the external, no. the external experiences are really helpful because I can say as someone who, as a teenager, had an eating disorder and had body dysmorphia, I thought I was fat. I said I was fat all the time. I didn't say I feel fat. I like truly, truly yeah. believed I was fat because I couldn't see my body accurately. Yep. But using that other measure of like, oh, but do straight sizes fit you as opposed to plus sizes? Like, can you find clothes that fit you? Can you walk down the street without getting harassed? Can you, like, you can use these external, so, because sometimes it's really hard for people to tell, am I fat? I can't tell. I can't see myself accurately because of media and distorted body image. But are you being discriminated against? So, like, I've seen it described as, like, thin privilege, for example, is you could be on the beach in a bikini and feel so bad about yourself, but is everybody else around you thinking you look normal or is everybody else around you also feeling really upset that you're in a bikini, right? That's the difference. Um, so yeah, I think it's helpful to think about like where are the structural barriers that I experience? Um, it's sadly your oppressions that kind of defines how fat you are, unfortunately. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I also want to talk about when you said, how can we normalize the word fat? I, I always um, start my workshops around fat phobia by talking about language and talking about why I use the word fat and what other words I think are fine to use are neutral descriptors of size as opposed to overweight and obese. Um, and I talk about how overweight and obese, which sometimes people think are kinder words than fat. I see people really trying to say like, oh, overweight, like that's the nice word. Um, but overweight and obese are very judgmental words. They're medical and pathologizing. Um, they describe disease, actually. Mm -hmm. So they're inherently negative. Overweight means too much weight. Yeah. Whereas fat is just like, there's fat and there's thin. Or you could say big. There's big and there's small. Larger bodies. Um, sometimes people use people of size. I offer all of those more neutral and social identities. Um, and just try to get people thinking about what their words mean before they use them. Um, so all I ask people in those workshops is be intentional with your language, like have a reason that you're using that word, yeah. not just the word that you think is the least scary. Um, because sometimes the scarier words are the words we need to get more comfortable with. And then with children in terms of um, decreasing stigma, I try to just, you know, draw attention to it when someone uses the word fat and unpack it a little bit. And this actually happened to me two days ago. <laughs> I was babysitting and I was just sitting there like, I think we were eating a snack. I don't know what we were doing or drawing a picture. And one of the kids just looked up at me and said, this kid in my class, he's really, really fat. And like giggled a little and went back to her picture. And I said, oh, you know, I'm kind of fat too. She was like, oh, but he's way fatter than you. I was like, okay, yeah, everybody's bodies are different. Some people are bigger than me. Some people are smaller than me. Some people are bigger than you. Some people are smaller than you. And then she was like, yeah, this person's really small. This person's big. This person's medium. And she just started thinking more about like, oh, yeah, all bodies are different. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if that one moment will have any impact on the way she thinks about fatness. But if you're able to do that over and over again, every time someone's like, oh, they're really fat. It's like, yeah, they're larger. I'm smaller. I'm, I'm large. You're small. Whatever. Like everybody has a body size. All body sizes are good. 
I, I really appreciated what you said about uh, the whole, you know, uh, pathologizing thing with what I call the old words, the so overweight and obesity. <laughs> I mean, I, I personally avoid these words too, unless I'm actually quoting a study or something like that when those are the words used. And I always say when I do a presentation, no, these words are not, you know, the words that I like to use. And I will use them quote unquote and things like that because they are indicators of, of sickness, you know, and they say that we are something that needs to be cured, something that needs to be fixed. And this is just contributing to, to you know, the further stigmatization of our bodies. So I, I yeah, I'm definitely behind you on this. Yeah. And also just thinking about words, my wife and I actually yesterday were watching, there's a show on Netflix, a newer show called Next in Fashion. That's basically Project Runway. <laughs> I've um, actually heard about it. And I was told that apparently yeah. the first episode, eh. I, I mean, it's what it is, but the my wife and I, it's like just garbage TV that we watch when we eat dinner. Uh, and we were watching an episode yesterday and they referred to their models as extended size models. And my wife and I looked at each other and we were like, what? Like, is yeah. that the term be, like used in the fashion industry? Yeah, it extended does. Yeah, size? It is, it is used sometimes. And we were just like, that, that was, we both just like had an instantaneous like look at each other like, ugh. And I feel, I feel similarly about plus size. I'm like, what, there's normal and then there's plus? Like, what does that even mean? Also, plus size is still below the average size of a human in this country. Like, <laughs> yep. plus size models are smaller than an average yep. person. So there's normal size, there's plus size, there's average. And then what else? Like, what? where do you go from there? Like, too big to exist. Like, that's the messaging. You are yep. too big to exist. Extended size can also include the very, very small size, like the double zeros mm -hmm. and things like that. And sometimes it includes the longer mm. or shorter like the petites so it's it's gotcha. like plus but there's it's, it's like both ends yeah it's both of ends. that imaginary spectrum that someone made up yeah no i agree i mean this is not <laughs> this could but yeah lead, i understand what you're this saying this could lead to a lot of misunderstanding but yeah extended size i think people you know feel more comfortable sometimes using that in rather than plus sizes but yeah even the plus sizes like as you said are, are not very i mean plus sizes are actually should be regular sizes because in the u.s you have about 70 plus percent of women that are a size 16 or more yep and also like literally what is the use of a plus size as opposed to just more numbers just make like, it another have, size yeah. we have a lot yeah. of numbers like i remember the first time that i was like looking for my size in jeans and i like went to the end and there were no more and i asked the person he was like oh they're on the other side of the store in the plus size jeans so i was like they're literally just the next size like there's just more sizes why wouldn't you just put all the jeans together i it's don't understand because plus sizes needs to be hidden at the back of the store right. <laughs> yep. so that the plus size people are hidden at the back yep. of the store yeah and Whew. I'm so mad that's the other thing I want to help kids get mad about the way the world <laughs> yeah. works like honestly we need to not just be normalizing but we also need to be talking about how things are so like it's important to say like fat is is normal fat is good and other people are going to tell you fat is bad and what do you think about that and like I don't know I taught uh, some body image workshops to fourth and fifth graders last year and I showed them images of Photoshop and I showed them like this is what a person really looks like 
this is what they look like when you see them in the magazine. And the kids got really mad. One of the little boys was just like, I hate this. Why do they do this? I'm so mad. And I was like, yeah, yeah, should me be. too. Like, <laughs> you're so right. This makes people feel so bad about themselves. Like, let's look at these images. Do any of us look like any of the images we're seeing? No, that's so unfair. It makes us think that we don't look right, but we do. And, and they're wrong. So really like giving a target to like, it's not us. That's the problem. There's another thing. That's the problem. And it's capitalism and it's fat phobia and it's media and it's all these other things, but helping kids put their anger on that rather than on themselves for not conforming. Uh, there, there is a capacity to outrage and indignation among kids and teenagers that is very touching mm-hmm. and that is very raw and, and that is very innocent and, that, that, you know, people might actually listen to because we're so sensitive as a society to initiatives that are launched by kids and because mm-hmm. we find them so cute and we find them so touching and so pure and so, you know, innocent and so on. And and I think we really need to, yeah, to, to consider, um, can't, you know, like find a way to tap into that outrage and, and use, you know, make them use it to a in a manner that will help them uh, dismantle the issue. I think that that's one thing that can be done. And that's one thing that us as adults have a possibility to do with, with youngsters is to explain, listen, this is the problem. And if you know early enough, you can try to do something about it. You can, you know, you have a power of indignation about it. Yes. Yeah. And I think also reminding kids and in, empowering kids to do things about stuff. Like you totally can, you know, can there are practical things that you could do i remembered the thing that i was going to say before which is that it was when we were talking about the plus size extended size thing and um i run queer clothing swaps here in montreal for for queer adults and i was actually asked by um by uh fat folks uh to separate the sizes because it was just easier right to find your size in in terms of a clothing stop where it's just piles of clothes on a table mm-hmm. it was you know harder to find sizes so so i i separated out the sizes and and i had some volunteers who were saying oh the plus size section and i was like nah, that's just where sizes extra large and up and up are like this is sizes extra small through large and that size is extra large i was just like those are just the sizes. And they're just like, oh, okay. I was like, we don't need to be like this. Those are the, you know, the, the plus sizes. I'm like, no, that's just those letters are over there. Um, and then going off of what you were saying about the Photoshop thing, Dove has a really, I'm sure there are a bunch of compilations, but Dove did a really good video of like that where they took, it was like a, you know, a speed through where they took like a model and they showed like all the makeup they put on her and all of the, you know, they enlarged her eyes and did all, you know, all the things they did in Photoshop from like, and then they showed like just side by side the picture of the model without makeup on and her hair done and whatever to like the final product. And it's, it's just like, it's wild. But Dove also has initiatives that were rather problematic in terms of, of body yes. positivity. I mean, uh, it's like sometimes they deny people their, you know, the not the right, but the ability to judge themselves. And I mean, I'm not saying that you should judge yourself, but like you have the right to feel what you feel because the problem is not you seeing yourself that way is what makes you feel that way. Yeah, for sure. And so Thank you for pointing that I, out. I think it's really important to, you know, I, I, I don't want to bash into, you know, a good initiative by, by bringing up another, you know, a bad one, but to a certain level, we have to put these things in perspective. And sometimes, uh, you know, we really 
have to see where the marketing, you know, ends and where the good intention actually begins uh, in in this kind of initiative. Yeah, for sure. I mean, unfortunately, at the end of the day, a lot of these things are about money. <laughs> capitalism is going to be a whole nother episode. <laughs> how do you teach? Yeah. Kids, oh my gosh. How do you teach kids about capitalism? <laughs> oh, I, I've tried. I've done it. <laughs> Izzy, I'm going to have to have you on for a third episode now. <laughs> I mean, but it is it is important to say that you can't talk about fat phobia without talking about capitalism because there's so much money invested in us hating our bodies. That's literally how our economy functions is that we feel so bad about ourselves that we have to buy stuff. And so, like, that's important to talk to kids about, too, in the simplest ways, you know? It's like... There are companies that want us to think that we only look pretty if we wear makeup so that we buy their makeup. Like, I think kids can understand that. It's a pretty simple concept. So just to talk about like, oh, yeah, the reason that you see everybody on TV wearing makeup is to make you think that that's the only normal way to look. But actually, you look normal without makeup, too. And if you want to use makeup to have fun, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine. And it's all fine. And it's your choice. And I talk about that with shaving too with kids. I don't want to say like, don't shave. It's a capitalist plot, right? Because it's like, it's your body. And we all navigate that in different ways. So like, I always say, you know, we're all going to grow body hair in new places during puberty. Some people take it off with different strategies. Some people leave it on. Some people leave some on and take some off. I always show them like, look, I have my leg hair, but I shave my armpits and that's just my wacky way of doing things. And, but I say, but I have a friend who like grows out their armpit hair and then has dyed it different colors. And that's fun too. And you can do whatever you want to do. And I mean, so, let's yeah, be honest, there's that. a whole industry, like the diet industry is based exactly. on its failure. <laughs> the yeah. reason yeah, why there is still a weight loss and diet industry is because it doesn't work. Because if it did, <laughs> it would have disappeared already. This absolutely. is true. <laughs> and you know, you were mentioning Weight Watchers. That that's a company that is now rebranding itself so bad yes. with the language of body positivity, trying to trick people into yes. uh, spending their. They're money. not even called Weight Watchers anymore. I know they're it's WW. Now called, it's like wellness and yep. something else. They're just calling it WW. Yes. It's hilarious to me. It's like yes. we're gonna like we're gonna forget what that stands for. What that for. stands for? Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Okay. We're WW. W, come love yourself with us. We'll help you eat in a way that feels good. It's like the no, you're the same thing that you were before, but it's like body positivity is kind of trendy now. So oh, you can make money off of diet culture and body positive body yep. positivity in one fell swoop. It's just so evil and so sad. And also WW slash Weight Watchers came out with an app for children. Oh, Kerbo, no. awful. If anybody didn't hear about that, yeah, no, I um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, targeting children as young as eight years old. So what? Um, and it's actually managed yeah. oh, by the parents. Yeah. The app is managed by the parents. So who is going to protect oh the kids from parents yeah. that could be a little too ambitious? You know, that would want to. You know, it's like it's a kid. It's not a build a bear. You know. I just remember an episode, and like I mean, this was reality TV, so I don't know how real it was, <laughs> but it was like the you know house Real Housewives of wherever. And one of the mothers was like complaining that because their baby was chubby. And I was oh, like, yeah. babies are supposed to be chubby. It's no, their that's job. Real. No, that is real, Seth. Like oh people, I know people with babies who have, you know, baby fat on their bodies who <laughs> doctors have said you should restrict your child's calories. No. Get out. And other adults <laughs> have said you should restrict your diet, your, your child's calories. Oh, people will come off off the street and say your baby's obese. Like you're a bad parent. 
Yeah, we actually uh, wrote wild. a blog about. Uh, sorry, we actually wrote a blog post about the app when it came out uh, because oh you know we felt rather outraged about it, and you know they use very simple systems of good food and bad food, like like Izzy mentioned earlier, and they use you know very evocative colors uh, based on a traffic light, so green, yellow, and red. So something that is very very simple and they use examples of kids and they say how many kids have you know how many uh points of bmi kids have dropped on the website they use cute pictures and testimonies and it's also bmi is like baloney yeah well bmi, BMI is alone alone is 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 yeah baloney it's baloney mass index <laughs> also also can we just talk about like children should be gaining weight of course children should be gaining weight people are so confused about that like children should not be losing weight it's like their they job they need to grow right it's like <laughs> what they're supposed to be doing is growing oh my god and growing cannot just happen up right you also have to gain fat to be able to gain height like if you just got taller without gaining weight that would be bad so children should I, I try so hard to tell children that i like that is like my number one point in my puberty workshop is like you need to get bigger it's good to get bigger people might tell you it's bad it's good someone might tell you to diet dieting is not for kids you need to gain new fat as you grow it's good it's good it's good i literally remember i like just this just popped into my head i had kind of forgotten about this but i remember being in high school and weighing 90 pounds and thinking to myself if i ever weigh over 100 pounds i will kill myself like those kinds of ideas yeah are in our in our society and in our heads. I mean, at that, I, I was probably like I was probably like thirteen or fourteen yeah. when I you know thought things like that. And it's just like wild that that's you know. And people probably would have looked at me and been like, "Oh, that's great that you're so skinny," you know. But meanwhile, it was like those kinds of like we were talking about the fear based thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And I also remember the weight that I was maybe in 10th, 11th grade and thinking, this is my goal weight forever. Like I was like, okay, I'm as tall as I've stopped growing height wise. So this is the weight I should always be in for the next six years. I would compare my weight to that weight because we don't talk about actually, first of all, you need to gain weight during puberty. Second of all, puberty is not the end of your body changing and (laughs) your body will continue and continue and continue to change. And that is what's good. That means being alive. Like it's important to let your body change and that might be scary and it might take periods of readjustment. But I tell kids like I thought that my 13 year old body was my grown up body. And then I thought my 16 year old body was my grown up body. Then I thought my 19 year old body was my grown up body. And now finally at 27, I know that there is no one grown up body. My body changes every day and every year. And if I'm lucky to live a long life, it will keep changing. Well, this is, uh, yeah, this is sort of like a, I can combine this into one question. I'm curious if you have thoughts for good resources for kids, like good, uh, you know, fat positive media or toys or, you know, good representation in things, uh, you know, anywhere across the board. Or, I mean, on the other hand, also for adults, good uh, resources for adults, websites, things like that. Um, I would, for adults, I would definitely recommend uh, breeding your fat friend. Um, her, you know, or she posts on Medium. She's on Twitter. She's on Instagram. She's on Facebook, and she's amazing. Um, for pe- people of all age, Lizzo. I mean, she is. <laughs> she is so empowering. She is amazing. She is high energy. She is inspiring. She is excuse my words, badass. She is absolutely. <laughs> she she's all that. She's. I mean. 
yeah, and if if you actually read French, um, I would say from age teenagers and up, uh, you can drop by uh, grossophobie.ca, my website. It's very cute with flowers and cartoons, and <laughs> it it yeah, we we really try to dismantle and explain fat phobia and the different you know uh, facets of it, and we sometimes use uh, actual events, current events, uh, to explain how how you know fat phobia is. Uh, you know, echoed in, in the messages. Uh, um, so yeah, so you can, uh, you can drop by uh, crossophobie.ca and have a look and, and, uh, yeah, see how we explain. And, and there's a good question and answer actually on, on what is fat phobia and what is it and what it's not actually. And, um, a bunch of resources also to help you learn about it. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. It is awesome. I wish I had more resources to offer for children, but the only one I can think of is Steven Universe. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Universe is a beautiful show that's a resource for, for many different kinds of things that you could talk about with children. But Steven is just an awesome example of a kid who has visible fat and a bigger belly and is comfortable with himself. And there's other other characters of all shapes and sizes. Yeah. Um, uh, and he likes to eat a lot and that's super normal and great. Um, in terms of adults, there's, there's a ton of online resources that are really great. Um, one, one, uh, account that I follow on Facebook that I really love is called diets don't work. Although I think it's about to change its name because of a copyright issue. So it might become, <laughs> it might become ditch diet culture. Um, but that has a lot of just really useful information. Um, Body Posse Panda, um, whose who's name is Megan Crab, but her accounts are Body Posse Panda, um, is great. Um, I, I don't want, I don't even want to keep listing people because I'm afraid of the people I'm going to leave out. You know what I mean? Because there's so many great, <laughs> um, great people. I can like send you a more complete list. Yeah, or something, sure. But um, that would be great. there. There are a lot of really powerful. Um, body positive body liberation instagram and facebook accounts that i think are are pretty useful and there's really good books um virgie tovar has a book jess baker has some books yeah um lindy west's book shrill meant a lot to me personally and now that's a show um shrill on hulu which is a really really powerful show for me it's it's emotional every single episode just to see a fat woman living her life and like going through the stuff that she goes through and dealing with her mom and food and just all, all the things. Um, so I recommend watching shrill, um, and just diversifying your media in whatever way you can, like through Instagram, through Google searches, through whatever you need to do, just making sure that you're seeing bodies that aren't just that one, one type of body because it really does change your brain. Um, and the yeah. way you're able to see your own body if you're seeing a, a bigger variety of I, bodies. I will say, aside from Steven Universe, my one recommendation that I keep sharing, I feel like I've shared it in the past couple of episodes because it's just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's unfortunately, I mean, fortunately for Francophones, unfortunately for Anglophones, it's only out in French right now, but it is coming out in uh, English soon. It's a book. It's like a, I would say, I mean, it's appropriate for younger kids, but it's about puberty and about bodies. And it's called uh, Chécor Je T'aime, uh, Dear Body, I Love You. Mm. And even just like on the cover, there are there are bodies of all all shapes and sizes. There's a body with stretch marks on the cover, which I love. There's a body with vertiligo. There's a little person. There's like just like so many different bodies um, in that book. And it's all just about like how bodies are different and how we love, bo- you know, 
and uh, not without the like love the love your body command, but just like hey, there are different kinds of bodies, and your body's gonna go through some changes, and like whatever. Um, but I really like it. That also reminds me of the Lamely doll. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, there's a doll called the Lamely doll that was a response to Barbie. Um, that basically remade Barbie in the actual average proportions of a 19-year-old girl in the U.S. Whoa. Um, that sounds So great. still not a large body by any means, but a, a more accurately proportioned body. But she does come with, or you can buy these decals. You can buy stretch marks. You can buy acne. You can buy bruises. And they, they peel on and off. Um, so... Uh, yeah, so like if you have acne, your doll can have acne. If you have stretch marks, or even if you just want to explore, um, yeah. So um, that's that's a that's a nice thing to just kind of explore the different. Oh my gosh! Can be. I love this. There are curves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's something that I'm I'm waiting. I'm like I'm waiting for Mattel to get it together because they're getting better. Like they just released some dolls with Vertiligo. They just released some dolls uh, with. Uh, like um what we call prosthetics um and they and they have the creatable world dolls that are uh sort of you know trans oriented they have like basically they have short hair or long hair and they can they come with a bunch of a variety of different clothing expressions but they are all, but they're all so skinny, skinny. Yes. not just skinny but like impossibly skinny yes. like you would have to remove your ribs skinny yes so i'm waiting for that like i don't know why like vertigo like like things are it makes no sense to me that these things have come before I think it different should, bodies. <laughs> I think it should speak uh, loudly about uh, how horrified our culture is by fat. We're a lot more comfortable with other Well, things. I mean, it's, it's also in the spirit that people have understood that vitiligo is not a choice, but mm-hmm. they still think that being fat mm-hmm. is a choice. They Absolutely. understand that being short or disabled is not a choice, uh, but they still don't understand that being fat is not a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Oh, man. I don't want to end on that. That's sad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, but anyway, I'm trying to think. Uh, do, you, do you guys have anything else to add before we, we close up today? I'm good. <laughs> well, if you want a happier note to end on, I just think that it's great to think about how to find moments with children to celebrate their bodies. And there's so many ways to do that. And one thing that comes to mind is a time when a kid asked me for a Band-Aid for a, a boo-boo that was not bleeding. And I always like to explain to kids, like, actually, you know, a Band-Aid, all it can do is catch blood or, like, stop something from getting into a cut. You don't need a Band-Aid to heal it. Do you know what heals it? She was like, what? And I was like, actually, your, your body knows how to heal it by itself with rest and with time. And she said... So your body is kind of magic? I was like, yes, your body is kind of magic. And I think about that. I love that. Honestly, I think about it all the time when I'm not feeling great about my body. So I think just finding those moments to teach kids about how magical their bodies are is a beautiful thing to do. Thank you for that wonderful little close up. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, th- well, thank you guys so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of Rad Child Podcast. As always, stay rad.
I'm Tom. I'm Will. And we're the hosts of Blasting Off Again, a new Pokemon podcast brought to you by the Upward Network. We've decided to take on the task of watching through every episode of Pokemon, providing live commentary and in-depth analysis of everyone's favorite 90s dogfighting cartoon. We're tackling the hard-hitting issues. Is Brock racist? Was coughing the first ever suicide bomb? 